Hi, are you sick and tired of paying hundreds of dollars a month for cable or dish? GNR TV is your answer. These guys have an incredible 100% legal product that is a cord cutter's dream. For as low as $25 a month, you will get over 400 HD channels, including all major sports packages, pay-per-views, premium movies, and entertainment. To get started, all you need is a streaming device, such as an Amazon Fire Stick, internet, and a desire to save a ton of cash. No contracts, no credit checks, no hidden fees. I myself have been a subscriber, and I must say, this service is amazing. To learn more, search GNR TV on Facebook or Instagram, and I will also be posting a link on my pages to check out on my podcast website. Lastly, for first-time subscribers, use promo code SIRS30 to save $5 for your first month. GNR TV, streaming done right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of almost all ages, with parental consent, the Sick Twisted Minds at Sacrificial Pond Productions brings you a new style of horror film, like nothing you've seen before. There are no cops, no investigations. There is no backstory, no follow-up of the victims who are brutally tortured and murdered. Our story isn't about them. Normal terror is about a single dad struggling to make ends meet. His son is his first priority. He goes to work, pays his bills, and is generally a great dad. The twist comes after he puts his son to bed. This is where he releases his stress. Some people do yoga, some hit the gym, some go for runs, some people paint on a canvas. An anonymous source once wrote on an abandoned asylum wall, I never understood people until I took one apart just to see how it worked. If you are rear-ended in traffic, most people's thought runs to anger and their primal instincts of hurting the other party. Sam Neill does not have the ability to stop that primal instinct. Let us take you into the mind of a killer. Normal Terror is a concept from the mind of Sam Mason, who wrote, directed, produced, and is starring in this New Age feature film. Let's get slicing and dicing with Sir Sturdy Horror fans. On this podcast, you will hear me and a guest do some movie reviews, random funny horror chats, and whatever else comes to mind. So tune in, kick back, relax, and always remember... I'll see you in your nightmares. Well, this station's mask. Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of Horror with Sir Sturdy. Today, I have two awesome guests from me for me today, Trish and Dave, and they're both out in Australia. So, Trish, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. And Dave, how are you doing over there? I'm doing fine, although I've got a bit of a cold, so I hope everybody uh, forgives me if I sound snuffly. <laughs> You're forgiven. Don't worry. <laughs> You're forgiven. So, um, I guess tell, tell us about yourselves. I'd like to hear, know more about both of you. Um, okay, so, um, I, we're from Melbourne, Australia, so which is like, uh, down south, not as south as Tasmania, but, you know, just below Sydney, um, and.
and uh, so I'm an actress, model, filmmaker, dancer, presenter, and I'm also a yoga instructor. And um, David and I have been collaborating for the last couple of years, and we've been doing a whole heap of different um, film projects uh, from a from a uh, TV series, a hosted horror show called Horror House, to doing um, a whole heap of little horror comedy skits, um, which is under the running title of Tales That Broke My Brain, but they're very, very different skits. So it's sort of like a Twilight Zone, but it done um, in a short film sort of mode, and um, all different styles of genres with uh, different guest directors um, coming on board, and um, a lot of the same crew and a lot of the same general crews, but... Uh, yeah, just so churning it out. David's just been working like a like a madman behind the scenes. He writes these scripts, he produces everything, comes up with the props, and and yeah, and goes nuts. And then we come together, have an amazing time, have lots of fun, have a blast on set, and then um yeah, just get these out on YouTube. And um, he's been out there promoting us, and um yeah, and um wonderful people like uh, Itai from my indie uh, has been helping to promote, like who connected us with you, Aaron, and um so. Um, just being able to get out there and just, um, yeah, getting our work out there and connecting and networking with other creators around the world. Which is freaking awesome. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's the good thing. I know I was just, before we started recording, I was talking junk about technology, about how I love and hate it. That's a great thing about technology. I'm over here in New York State, and you guys are all the way in Australia, and we're talking to each other and recording a podcast, which who would have thought, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're in New York. I don't know why I thought you were in the UK for some reason. And I'm like, I thought you were in America. Like, when I spoke to you, I'm like, oh, you're obviously American with your accent. But I thought from the email that you were in the UK. So, okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> oh, it's, all, it's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. You're in New York. Cool. We're getting mixed up with the guy that's been doing a lot of our music, Vinny Camilleri, who's in Liverpool. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure because I thought we, yeah, I, I don't know why I, in my head I had thought it was going to be UK today, but that's, that's awesome, that's okay, it's New York, awesome, <laughs> yay. <laughs> we, we might be in Melbourne and you're in New York, but the films themselves, quite a lot of the different people in it, if they don't actually have to be in the room filming, they're mm -hmm. not in Melbourne, so some of the, um, a few of our editors are in Brisbane. Uh, we could have them edited anywhere in the world. Uh, the music's being made, a lot of it, uh, from Vinnie in the UK. So um, we've gone from being a little Melbourne production to uh, being international. And uh, we almost never get our stuff shown in Melbourne. You know, like mm -hmm. we've just finished, what, Lethal Legacy, just got um, the final cut, just came today. We already know it's going on the TV in uh, the United States. I didn't mention which programs on my little status update, but I can do that as they announce it themselves. It's going on to uh, a uh, compilation, an anthology that's coming out of the UK, but also is associated with Troma. And uh, then from America, the um, the uh, the trailer is going on trailer exploitation, which I think is coming out of America too. So. We're connected with the world. The only thing we're doing in Melbourne is walking on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's so cool, though. Like, what you're just saying connecting with the whole world, connecting with the world. I just love yeah. that about that. And just doing your passion, like doing, you know, your hobby, which is an amazing thing. And I would like to know how you both got into that, like how you got started with it. Well, for um, me, well, actually starts with Trish. Okay. I mean, Trish mentioned before she does a lot of things. Well, I've done a lot of things too, and I could say I still do them, but 
they're so busy on making their films that really all I'm doing is writing, producing and acting. And it was actually Trish where things took off. I can see the smile on your face, Trish. (laughs) I'm very careful to make sure that I spend all of my time insulting and putting Trish down on set so she doesn't get a big head. But um, the absolute truth is she already had a couple of um, films out that were pretty good. I think I've I've already put you down there. I think there was the one about uh, Lilith. Um, There was uh, Carly Geisha, Erotica Grotesque. And there was one you were working on. So, uh, yeah, I had a couple. No, I, I met you before I put out Dark Knight of the Zombies. I remember because you refused to be an extra on it. And you goes, oh, extras. I'm not being an extra. And then I asked <laughs> well, you. Well, I actually met you, David, at a film. I actually met um, David at a film networking night. And I was making a short film and he wanted to be. Uh, he wanted to cross dress as um, one of the extras in my film that I was making, and I was kind of like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work too well." But um, yeah, and then you're after cute. that, uh, he um, he started making a. I had heard he was making a hosted horror show. So um, at this point, uh, my background is from a lot of uh, television, film, and acting and stuff, and presenting. Um, I used to present a music show uh, on television. Um, on broadcast television for about four years and then I went travelling for a few years and then came back to Melbourne in 2012 and just sort of decided to focus on acting rather than television and then I was doing some, uh, did a few indie features and then I was starting to make my own films and then that's when I met David when I started networking through the indie scene. Um, at that point, yeah, David wanted to be a cross-dressing extra in one of my f- films and I was kind of like, oh, I don't, know. I don't know if I really see that but then... Um, little while so but we connected on Facebook and we were friends and then uh, a little while later I heard that he was actually um starting a hosted horror show called Horror House and he was looking for a co-host so I sort of sent him my reel and go hey you know um you know maybe we should work together and stuff and then yeah and then just from then we started working on Horror House and then yeah that was like maybe like two and a half years ago or so and since then yeah we've just been continuously working together and doing all kinds of different crazy things that's cool that's cool yeah it was definitely Horror House where the two of us came together because um, when, I, when I throw an idea at somebody, they don't always understand what I'm talking about um, and they might think I'm just totally insane. And Trish has seen that we're working with a hell of a lot of people, but you've seen how many people duck out of a project early on. They think, this guy's an idiot. Well, 20 movies later, you can see that I'm not. But I, I'll throw the idea at Trish. And she can actually understand what the idea is. Mm-hmm. She can see that, yeah, she can see that that's happening. Let's uh, flesh it out. Let's make it into something. And you can see the finished products. But there's too many people that have been through film school that can't get their heads out of um, looking at how they believe things should be. So if the script's not formatted, oh, no. And um, if you haven't put out a call sheet um, for when you're going on set, they're going, oh, no. And then the stuff they're woofing at me, left, right and centre, I'm going, go away with your nonsense. That leads nowhere. You Okay, you've got 62 lines on your film. Did you get, does anybody know your film? Popping in line with all of these people with the way they say things should go would be death. What we're doing is I'm going our own way and Trish has got this ability to see what I'm saying and say, yeah, actually, that makes sense. So I can be a trailblazer because I've got somebody that will work with me. That's good. 
That's good. You need someone that can kind of uh-huh. understand and see your visions and your ideas on your side, or it's going to be a lot tougher without that. Yeah. But just in saying that, David, I still think you're insane, but so I'll just run with it. He'll come up with some crazy idea. I'm just like, okay, cool. Let's just do it. You know, what do you want us to do? Let's just do it. <laughs> and, yeah, and somehow it comes together. So, and I just know that sometimes I'm just like, okay, he'll come up with some crazy idea. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. He's like, let's be criminals. And we're going to say, serve up fake body parts in the past. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And um, yeah, and then we made this uh, little skit that was like totally improvised. There was not really, no no script, but it was just a loose idea of we, you know, we were just these two crazy fit criminals in the park serving up um prop body parts. And you know, as crazy as the idea sounds, and David's like, yeah, I'm just gonna get people to come as extras. We're gonna shoot this thing. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And um, so far, Cannibal Barbecue, I think um, it's got about fifty thousand views on YouTube, and it's just this this weird, crazy sort of random thing that, I mean, if you said, yeah, let's have our body parts in a park in a barbecue, and everyone's just like, okay, but um, yeah, it works. So I just got to go, yeah, that's cool. That sounds fun. Let's just run with it and have a good time. That, well, that was just the first of the run. That, that was the first of these movies that we've been doing. And um, so it was just the first of the run. And it wasn't 100% unscripted. I, I wrote what I wanted the people to do, what their reactions were to getting uh, body parts. Mm-hmm. So we had that down. It was just how they were going to do it and the words that they were going to use was up to them to improvise. So, yeah, for, for um, I think it was Frank Otis, I already said, you're going to drop your dressing gown, you're going to be wearing women's clothing underneath. <laughs> uh, for Axel, when he pooed himself, I said, you're going to end up pooing yourself. So I, I had li- bits and pieces written down. But, uh, yeah, the scripts are usually a bit tighter than that, but um, not written up to where it says this is an exterior shot because I think that's too obvious. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell what the camera angles are because I think, in fact, we don't storyboard. We're just getting down and getting onto it. And I don't know, is it 20 movies we've got up at the moment, Trish? More? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, like, I mean, every... Every filmmaker has a different way of working. So um, on a lot of uh, my own projects, I do, like when I work as a director or producer, I do everything. I do storyboard everything. I have my shot list and everything. Um, David, I guess the way you work is, is probably a little uh, bit looser, but um, I think in the end, it's all about just collaborating with your friends, coming together and having fun, especially when you're doing this on a on a passion level, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And we're just basically helping each other out. And, you know, when we work on a certain project, there's... We know who's like who's the captain of the ship. So if it's David's project, it's like we'll work in his way. Do you know what I mean? And David, you tell us what you want us to do, and we just do it. And you know, I know my lines. I come in to set, do what you know. We listen to the director and everything, and we follow that vision. Um, you know, and David, I did recently shot a action web series of my own, which is still in post. And um, you know, David played uh, was in that acted in one in, um, as one of the characters in that. And, and he's come along and sort of, so I think a lot of it just comes down to collaboration, you know, and then knowing that everyone has different ways of working. Um, so a lot of filmmakers still work in that more traditional way. I think David's way is a little bit more, um, a little bit more freeform. And, um, but I mean, he's man- he manages to make it work. So I think it's just, and uh, one of the things is, I guess, just having that, uh, the passion for it and just being able to, uh, the dedication to it. And, um, I must say that's something I really admire about David is that he spends a lot of time, um, you know, after the film is made, a lot of people are just artists and we're just like, yeah, we're just going to make this film and then we can't be bothered promoting it and everything and kind of leave that to a more, um, 
you know, the marketing production side of things, which uh, I think David is amazing at that, and he just works tirelessly just getting the films constantly out there. So, yeah, so I think everyone's a little bit different in that sense of how we work, but in the end it's about, you know, um, creating a product and just especially on a passion level, it just ha- you've got to have fun and you've got to enjoy what you're doing and the people that you're working with. Agreed. Definitely agreed. I can even say the same yeah. thing with podcasting. I mean, maybe not as not as deep as that, but uh-huh. I'll say, well, as far as me as a podcaster, I'm similar to David. How he's more free form. I'm like a freestyle with podcasts. I don't take notes at all, just because uh-huh. I'm like, it's just because you're just having a conversation about what like we're talking about. You you know how you guys came into this, but we're having a conversation yeah. about horror. If I yeah. take notes you'll know I'm reading my notes. It'll sound like I'm reading a book and that's not fun. It's not natural for me versus Uh some other people. They're different. They take notes. It works better for them. It's easier for them and it works perfect for them and they can't like just pop it out of their head out of nowhere. So I guess we all have our different, we have our different styles of doing things to reach that same goal. Whatever works, you know what I mean? Yeah. those exact lines just get the general gist of it and make it you mm-hmm. so that it, it flows so if somebody um you if the words were uh you pesky varmint and the person got uh you bothersome bugger i'll go with you bothersome bugger if it's like you bothersome bugger as opposed to you pesky varmint one will work and the other one won't so it's like don't get too hung up on the exact words, mm-hmm. become the character, get the gist of what is trying to be said. And once you said it, if, even if you said it in your own words, keep getting it the same way. Otherwise, we'll never cut it together properly. I like that. I like that a lot. So what got now, you guys... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that um, Trish was saying that we're at the indie level, there's no budget. The thing that will really carry every single movie is the actor themselves. They're the storyteller. So we don't have the money for um, giant explosions and uh, giant uh, monsters and mm-hmm. stuff. So really, when the monster comes out, it's really going to come down to the actor and how they convey the fear and the emotion of seeing the monster that's going to draw the viewer into it. Um, I think with Hollywood... They're pumping money into monsters that look fantastic and um, everybody's raving on about Godzilla. But I tell you what, that latest Godzilla is the worst acted movie I've ever seen. <laughs> They've got the best actors, people who I love from other shows, and they barely bat an eyelid. You really, like, if you imagine, how would I react if this giant monster was coming? You'd be, ah! <laughs> Nobody's doing that. It's like, okay, so we'll... We, we adjust this and do that and do that. Uh, we should be able to hit the monster at a such and such angle. I'd be saying, hurry up and press the bloody buttons. No, no, the monster's going to kill me. So, I mean, we're, we're getting somewhere without the budget because the actors know how to act. Yeah. I think it comes back to the vision of the director. Um, so, like I was saying, everyone's got different ways of working. And, I mean... Like, uh, I haven't seen Godzilla, but I remember you telling me about it, David, and it just comes back to, if you know they're good actors and they were amazing in other shows, maybe they weren't given very good direction on a certain film if they don't shine in that film, you know what I mean? So um, so that could sort of come through. But um, 
Yeah, I haven't seen Godzilla myself. I just saw the trailer and I was like, oh, yeah, that looks interesting. But, um, yeah, I, I know David wasn't very uh, impressed with it when he said he watched it. Oh, I went to the, uh, the, the screening that the, that the movies put on, that the company put on, because I was so right. And uh, the trailer that I saw wasn't even the movie. It was all um, the special effects from the previous Godzilla. It looked absolutely amazing in the trailer. So maybe I got the wrong trailer and went expecting something else. But getting back to what you said, I do agree that it's quite often the directors because I went on a lot of sets and I'd start um, acting and they'd go, no, can you tone it down? No, can you tone it down a bit more? And I thought, hang on, there's a hell of a lot of directors that haven't been watching um, watching movies properly. They're actually destroyed. This is in our little scene, the ones that have been on their sets. Hell of a lot of them won't allow the acting. And then I go on to these American films and uh, because we, we can do this nowadays, you couldn't do it when I was a kid, but I'll stop the movie and I'll look at the actress or actor's face and I'll go, right, in that split second, there's an extreme emotion there. And I'll go for another half second and I'll go, boy, they went from being on the verge of tears to being really angry here. And then a split second later, I'll go, they've really gone to happiness here and they're conveying every the emotion for every word in the sentence. Now, maybe these directors are watching it and going along with it and not realising what they're saying, but I get onto a set and do the same, and it's like, oh, no, this is going to be corny. This is overacting. Really, can you tone it down? And then their movies come out, and, like, everybody's trying to be nice to them after they've just forced themselves to watch boring crap. <laughs> so I, I reckon if you've got actors, give them the space to act. Allow them to show their craft off. Yeah. You disagree. I let yeah. you do whatever you want, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's working. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that's all that's awesome. I like how you have you have a big passion for that though. You actually care about not only what you're putting out there, but what you're watching. And you're looking at it because you're looking at it from a director's standpoint, so you're seeing a whole bunch of things that I probably just miss. I'm like, Oh wow, this is a great movie and you're like, Aaron. That movie was horrible because of this, 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 and this. <laughs> oh, no, good and bad. It's really just comes down to, it doesn't matter if it's technically great or whatever. The question is, did you enjoy it? So it doesn't matter good if point. you're a critic or if you've got no idea about movies at all. If you enjoyed it, it was a good movie. That's true. That's true. Now, do you, do you guys have a favorite horror movie? Um, like a... There's a lot that I do like. Um, what I've been getting into, the, the most recent one, it's actually a real classic that I didn't know about until one day I was at a friend's house. And she's like, you must, you would love the human centipede. And, um, oh. And <laughs> I just found it so, so perverse and so awesome. Like, um, so I think, and um, I love things like, yeah, so this sort of like, uh, the, not so much like Dr. Moreau, like the whole thing of like creating something, uh, anatomy. I loved anatomy, um, saw so something just about that, um, but yeah, human centipede, and I, I, and always like I love things like the Evil Dead, um, especially the one when the third one I think when they go back in time that was another oh, yeah. one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, but I love yeah anatomy probably was another one of my so I really like things that are yeah to, to do with like a little bit of experimentation, you know. So okay. and I think part of the reason why I like the Evil Dead was because he had his boomstick, like you know his his sawn off hand that he mm -hmm. chopped off and. And so this thing about just, uh, it's sort of like, 
because I'm a big fan of like um, action movies and Marvel and X Men, so it's sort of like a, a horror turn evolution kind of thing, I guess, in this perverse kind of way. Okay. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, so I think, um, so yeah, and, uh, so probably <laughs> I know Human Centipede is like a really old movie, but um, I only found out about it not too long ago, and when I found out about it, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and most people are like, yeah, that's so gross. But um, yeah, I think it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All of this simple time to Trish and really get into the schlocky stuff, but I'm actually going to choose a different movie. Uh, not because Trish chose the stuff that I'm into. American The Exorcist. That was mind-blowing at the time. Um, it was suddenly... A movie came out that was a hundred times scarier than anything else that had ever been seen. And to this day, it still scares the crap out of me. We even took um, an idea from The Exorcist uh, just uh, in um, the shoot that we did in the park with uh, what, what was it called? Um, Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. Okay. Babylon. Yeah. When I, when I looked at um, the um, spider crawl of uh, Linda Blair, I started looking at other unique gates of uh, various uh, horror movie uh, mm -hmm. monsters. Uh, first one I looked at really was Tar Man. Do you remember Tar Man in uh, Return of the Living Dead? Vaguely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wherever there's been an interesting and different way that a creature has moved, there's always been what set it off. And um, so I looked at uh, the Linda Blair one and I thought, that's a fantastic idea, and we spent three nights working on just how the monster was going to move. Uh, on uh, FaceTime, and so David's like, and he, sometimes his descriptions are not so uh, not so clear, so he's like, oh no, you need to put your leg, leg over your shoulder and then take your other leg and then put the other leg over the shoulder, and I'm like, oh, I don't think that's going to work, and then we were like, I was like in fits of laughter, I'm like, I think it looks a bit retarded, and I can't really do anymore, it looks a bit like weird, I'm like... Not in a good way, like, and then, but then anyway, like, yeah, I, I figured it out what he wanted to, what he was trying to say, but it sometimes things got a bit lost in translation, but yeah, it was quite funny, but, um, yeah, oh, we won't at the end. I gave up and said close enough is good enough, which you always do, but if you had watched all of the movies that I referenced, such as the way Samara moves in the ring. Oh, I, I saw the ring one, yeah, I saw the ring one, and the Linda Blair one. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I, I, thought of that just because I'd had an argument, or sort of argument, with another director. I'm the most hated guy in Melbourne when it comes down to other directors. They all think I'm a nutcase. None of them will have me on their um, films. And this guy had brought me um, an 85-page script and he wanted me to read it. I said, how does your monster move? And I started saying to him, and I wasn't trying to be nice to him, but I wasn't trying to be nasty. And I said, that is goddamn boring. <laughs> <laughs> the way your creature looks, it's stolen straight from a basic demon from um, Ash versus the Evil Dead, where you see the basic ones. And I said, and you don't have a, a unique way for this monster to move, and it's the centerpiece of the movie. And I thought, well, look, he's doing his speech, we're just doing a really short one. I want people to at least watch it for six minutes without getting bored. And so, um, yeah, The Exorcist wouldn't have thought that a 1972 movie would be a, a term of reference for something to do that is cutting edge for today. But every time you look at The, the Exorcist, there is something else in that movie that just is cutting edge for its day. And because it's been forgotten for so long, 
cutting edge for today. You couldn't even do The Exorcist now. You cannot have a child actor on um, on the screen going, your mother sucks cops in hell. Oh, are we allowed to swear on the podcast? Oh, okay. yeah, of course. <sighs> swear away. <laughs> now, the little girl didn't say that. Um, it was actually um, somebody else doing, uh, a woman did the uh, voice for it that got put to her mouth, but you still couldn't do that today. Yeah. You couldn't a child victim... You couldn't have a child victim masturbating with um, a crucifix, for instance. And truth to tell, I don't even want to script something like that. But the point is, it's in there, and it is scary as all hell. That that movie, though, that movie was, I mean, it was before my time, but that movie was way ahead of its time, as you were uh-huh. saying, and just... It's right. That's one of those movies you really can. I know they did a bunch of sequels and whatever you want to call them, Exorcist or this and that and the third. But you really cannot redo that movie out of all the horror movies they've done over. That's one you can you can't touch. Even if you wanted to make it look more up to date as far as with the technology we have now, but still have it in that same time period, I don't think it would work. Mm. Yeah, I really don't think classic. it would work. Oh, because they done it. Work and too many people have come in with possession movies. Um, possession movies quite often are based on you've got to be Catholic. I mean, I'm a Jewish boy. As if um, somebody say, the power of Christ compels you. That doesn't have any uh, effect on me. You'd have to be a Catholic to have that as an effect. You need to get beyond people's religions. I mean, Australia back when that came out, and I didn't see it when it came out because I was like eight. But Australia was um, a white Christian country predominantly, so I scared all of the white Christian kids. <laughs> you know, that yeah. crap didn't scare me. Everything else scared me. No, that's, uh, I get that. Yeah, people have got to understand, we're in a different world now. We're, we're very much um, a mixed pot. Um, there's none of... I, I believe America had the same stuff that um, Australia had. We had... Um, a white Australia policy. So, um, like I was discriminated against too because, uh, you know, not being Christian. But now, you want to make a movie, you have to think, the person that might be watching this could be a Buddhist, they could be a Muslim, they could mm-hmm. be... They, they could have any religion. Let's not base our horror movies on a need to believe in one particular religion. I agree. So, yeah, yeah. They remade um, The Exorcist as a series recently. I loved it. But one, I'm still not Catholic. Yeah. I still don't, yeah, I still don't believe some uh, priest bringing out his prayer book is going to save the day, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that show was actually, I agree, it was pretty good. And the only reason why I stopped watching it because it ended up getting canceled. I was like, there's no point in me finishing this season trying to catch up for a show that's they just said, you know, we're done. That kind of bothered me with that. I, I hate that. Oh, it was so well done, but I could. it, it possibly was cancelled just because um, they've taken an old idea. They, they really needed to rework it. Now, people think, oh, when we rework stuff, let's take all of the boys and turn them into girls and turn them into transgenders, and let's do this and that. It's like, no, write a new movie that actually makes sense, that the person has to be transgender, you know, that it actually makes a difference to the movie. Mm-hmm. Make a movie... Everything that you've got makes sense. Trying to take um, the exorcist that was presented to a white Christian society and throw it into today's society, I'm, 
not surprised they've got cancelled. You're pan they're pandering to a small percentage of the community. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I mean, a lot of horror fans will still watch it either way. But I do get, I do get what you mean by that. It'll turn, it'll turn some people off because of the religious aspect of it. I found myself compelled to watch it, not by Christ, but camera angles. I um, there's so much I could look at in that movie and say, this works and that works. There's still a hell of a lot that I'd like to do with movies that's got. Um, absolutely nothing to do with um, to do with the movies that we're seeing in the past. Mm -hmm. Ideas that I've tried and haven't been able to be used yet because I'm still not working a hundred percent with the people. Well, I haven't either trained up the people I'm working with, or I'm not quite working with the same people that I'd like that could carry it off. But um, I came into this as a cartoonist. Ooh. The way I actually frame the stories. If you look at a, a comic book, um, and you, you know, your traditional comic book, it's got uh, three levels of frames, and um, sometimes three frames per page, and that's a beat. That's where you cut your film, right? So um, I'm, I'll be talking to um, people saying, "No, I want them cut on the beat, and I want um, this to go with the heartbeat." And uh, you, I need it at one thirty-five beats per minute. And usually I've lost them at that, so it's never happened. Then I talk about the framing, saying, no, this person, um, when they're coming out, I need it at a Dutch tilt. I need them to be taking up the frame. And then I want all of this crap drawn around the sides of the frames like you see on some of the Darkness Visible music videos. So the stuff I actually want to do, I still haven't done, which I'm hoping to do in the future if I can get more people listening to me, actually sitting down, looking at what I've done, and... Next weekend, I'm actually doing um, an editing course cool. um, just to see the stuff I'm throwing at people actually can be edited. So, um, yeah, Black Magic um, decided that they're going to teach how to use um, DaVinci Resolve 16 for free over a weekend. Cool, yeah, I think I've been saying that for a while. You should definitely do editing, learn how to edit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's on topic, but yeah, Stranger Things, that's something I really loved recently. Oh, I don't yeah. know if that's considered horror, but oh, I love that series. I thought that was awesome. Um, I'm with you on that. I did. I really enjoyed that series myself. Yeah, I can't wait till, um, I think I think they're making a third one, so yeah, yep. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. That really does remind me of the stuff I loved as a kid. That's another thing. You should, you should be able to, we should be able to do horror for kids. That's a coming-of-age film, mm -hmm. um, Stranger Things. And it really is done like you said, Trish. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's nothing in that that a kid couldn't watch, is there? No, not at all. Kids uh, can... You know what? It depends on the kid, too, though, because there, there's some yeah. kids that they're afraid of their own shadow, and then there's some kids that'll watch any horror movie I'll watch. I mean, me personally, I started watching horror movies, I want to say when I was around between five and seven, because I have older... Uh -huh. My older, one of my older brothers and older cousins, when they would all hang out, you know, you always want to be around your older, your older family members or older friends or whatever, hanging around uh -huh. them, following them around. They would watch horror movies and I would watch them with them and they would let me, I would get scared all the time. Like it got to the point if say if I had to get up to use the bathroom, I'd have to have somebody walk me to the bathroom, wait for me, then walk <laughs> me back. But I'd always, but the thing is, is like, I would always come back for more. Every single time, yeah. I'd always come back for more. And now, another funny thing about that is, I'm like, all of them, they're, 
they watch horror here and there, but I'm the one who's like really, really into it. <laughs> like I yeah. still love it from from those times. So from that, I mean, Stranger Things. Some kids it might bother. Some kids they might just love it. I feel I feel it's a good show to get you know younger younger kids into it. If you know if you want to get them into horror, I feel like that's a good because it's con- It's not too scary. It's not too gory. It's not. Nothing bad, no nothing too, nothing too yeah. crazy. And it's like, a, it's not, a, it's not kiddie either. At the same time, it's not too childish. It's like, it there's some adult humor in it, and I like it because it kind of. I mean, I was born in '85, but it kind of reminds me of my childhood. Just that feel, like the '80s uh-huh. feel, early '90s. I know it's an '80s show, but like '80s feel, early '90s feel of it. I love that part of it, and I just love how these kids have like, I love how these kids actually have an imagination in this show. I know all the stuff that's going on is really going on, but at the same time, I love how they have the imagination. I love how they still play. They play the what is it, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons? I've never played it, but they uh-huh. play the, they play other games and stuff and just have a great time. And it's like one group of friends, and they just kind of they're going through all this together too, which is just it's a great show. Yeah, I think um, it's a great show because, and also at the end, the kids are sort of like they're, they're the heroes. It's not as scary for the kids. Like I think mm-hmm. something like um. It, you could just say, like, you know, if, if you had kids and you wanted to be, like, you know, and then you just wanted to punish your kid, just go, I'm going to show them it, and go, I'm taking you to see the clown, I'm taking you to the clown now. <laughs> you know, just scare them yep. a little bit. So, the original so, It, the, original it the TV uh, one, is actually uh, very similar to Stranger Things in the field, the way it feels. I didn't watch the new one yet. I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. But, uh, yeah, the old um, It that went on to the TV that had, um, oh, his name slipped my mind, the fella from Rocky Horror Show. Um, Tim, Tim Curry. Curry, yes. That one's actually got the feel of Stranger Things. So, it's kids having it together, um, you know, with what they've got, like their bicycles, mm-hmm. to try to find something that's great. Um, it's Scooby-Doo. Honestly, um, the new It from 2017 is actually has – that same kind of feel, and for the new one, or you know, from that one, kid, isn't one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot his his the kid who played his Richie Tozier, and it. I forgot which one he was in Stranger Things. I forgot his name in Stranger Things, but it's still like you still get that feel. It's mainly based around the kids, and it's not going. Remember how in the how in the original it was going back and forth between kid and adult, and this one. It's just them as kids, and I believe Chapter 2 is going to be them going mainly as adults, but going back and forth. But <clears throat> another good movie. I I have highly recommend it. Mm, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen the new one myself. I saw the original, but I thought I, when I was a kid, I saw the original, and I was so scared of clowns. Like, to this day, I'm not a big fan of clowns um, because of it. Um, and But I thought the first one was so scary. But then when I saw the second one, it's like, you know, when you see this spider creature appear and it just kind of like, it took away the scariness of it. And it just wasn't so scary because I guess also as a kid, I could watch things like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. And, you know, I was like, I really liked it. I loved watching all that. And I wouldn't really get nightmares. But then one night I watched this other show that wasn't even a horror movie. It was like, I think it was called like The Poseidon Adventure and was some old movie about these people on a, based on a true story about these people on a ship that were trying to get out of this shipwreck. And I had... Like, I had nightmares for a week about being, like, stuck on this drowning ship because I think sometimes when you think something's a bit more real, and so, like, clowns, you can go to the circus and you see clowns. And, and so I 
you mean and as far as Saul goes I that's another franchise I really enjoy I, I just love mm. like with um horror movies I love the slashers those are my favorite by far yeah and I love the gore and those I don't, I don't know why I just love the gore and just seeing stuff get torn apart I'm just like wow this is yeah. amazing <laughs> I hate it totally <laughs> yeah. you've actually got a connection with the film Saul you do you'll have to remind me of the names but you know how we did that um film together that we didn't know we were both on, The Foaming Node. All right, yeah. Do you remember the guy that was um, that uh, was the director and producer? Um, Ian? Yeah, now Ian is teacher at RMIT and the guys that did Saw were his students when oh, they wow. were doing Saw. Okay, oh, wow, cool. That's it cool. just came up in conversation after I'd done my part and he um, shouted no, it came up in conversation. I can't remember when. I think he was trying to convince me to do it when I'd already said yes. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, he mentioned that uh, he was going, oh, no, just because it's a student movie, it's not really a student movie. It's not that low down on the track. I think the movie's actually quite brilliant. And it, it's totally different. This is getting into avant-garde, back to the 60s. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that what you like... Um, is the stuff that you can really believe. But I like Killer Clowns from Outer Space and stuff like that. And I'll tell you why. Every time you do, you, have you both seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No. I, I seen it a couple of years ago. I seen it one time a couple of years ago. It's something I definitely need to revisit. But yeah, I did the see it. First thing the person that scripted that had to think about every single thing that happens with clowns. And I managed to catch everything from small clown cars to popcorn, the amount of thought to, for every scene, even shadow puppets. Then after that, he's got to think in depth a lot of different things to make each thing real and to make it funny. Then they had to say, well, how do we bring this to life? How do we get uh, finger puppets to kill people? How do we get shadows to kill people? And I thought, right, a lot of film that I get into is fantasy, bringing the unbelievable to uh, life, and I just thought of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, simply because you mentioned you don't like clowns, and I thought, hang on, that's a film with about where somebody has really thought things through thoroughly, so you've got to watch it tonight, Trish, you've got no <laughs> choice, 
have almost no terms of reference in the future for discussing projects if you haven't watched it. <laughs> uh, the, oh, I was going to write some movie about a clown. <laughs> Don't be killed by a clown at some point. Oh, no, I won't. The amount of makeup to put on the clowns and the crap that's going to get on the costumes, I, I just look, I, I'm now scripting so that things are easier to do and quicker to film. Mm. So whereas we did Horror House and the amount of makeup was an hour for each of us, mm. that's one of the reasons, like, unless Horror House takes off, I don't want to do it because from the costume, just to stick the damn ears onto Count Pangula um, was taking, like, what, 20 minutes or more? And mm. So it's a case of let's get the movies to be as effective as possible and as imaginative as possible, but let's look for the quickest and easiest way. I don't want um, 10 mm -hmm. inches of thick foundation on someone's face to be a clown and having to have somebody following them around, touching up the makeup every time we go cut, and then the makeup artist is going to come in and fix all of that up, clean <laughs> the clown stuff off of everybody. But if it is going to really scare the crap out of you, I can't really do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you said all of that, but said, you know, if it's going to scare you, it's worth it. <laughs> no, I really don't think we'll do a clown one. Um, I can't see a reason to. Um, we'd have to get a few years get away. Get a clown latex mask, right? And, um, like, you don't have to be the clown. You can, you can be one of the characters that, like, run away from the clown, and then you can just, uh, yeah. Get, get someone with a latex clown mask and put it on and it would just be like a two-second job and a clown suit. No, I like to see um, the face. I like to see the person's emotions. Um, so, yeah, it would have to be makeup, not, um, not a mask. Okay, so you don't have to do a clown thing. This, this, is, how, this is how it always goes, Aaron. <laughs> it goes back and forth like this. Yeah. It's really like a clown movie. I'm still trying to finish off the script for Alien Stole My Cock. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, how can I get oh, at least 30 or 40 realistic penises for the, some of the scenes? And I thought, okay, they make them for those um, um, hen's nights. You know, the $2 shops have now got heaps and heaps of realistic dicks. You know, they've got like... Um, glasses that got dick noses and then um, dicks that hang around everywhere and it's just I was wondering if you come with me when I go and buy them so I don't look too weird <laughs> I think if, you there, if you're there either way Dave it's, it's going to look weird <laughs> you just, you're going to have to suck that one up <laughs> no. Uh, well, no, I've just um, we're not filming for the next couple of months but with um, Brett saying he had a location I thought we could turn that into a sci-fi location and bring forward aliens, stole my cock, and get that one happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. Is that title oh, alone is funny. I saw that there was a number of um, movies like Mars Needs Women, and I thought, right, let's do something with the opposite take, you know? So rather than being... Um, one of these movies where it's all of these women that are the victims, etc. Let's just do it the other way, like a, a reverse take on it. And I like looking at Plan 9 from Outer Space. Everybody always um, zooms in on Vampira and they zoom in on this being Bella Lugosi's last film. 
but I actually like the aliens in it with the silly costumes they're wearing. And it, those are very much the sort of alien costumes that you see in Rocky Horror. And I thought, yeah, let, let's, um, let's take it back to that era, but it's not women that are needed. It's going to be, well, I, I won't give it away too much, but uh, it's called Alien Stole My Cock. <laughs> Probably more a sci-fi than a horror, though, I think. Um, but like I was saying oh, earlier, they're all different genres. Pardon? Oh, no, no. It's, it's horror sci-fi because I find the whole idea of losing your cock to be horrific. I agree. <laughs> it's very horrific. Uh, think of Alien itself. It is a sci-fi, but isn't it horror? That's what I was wondering because, yeah, I love Alien, but I've always considered it a sci-fi, not really horror because... Um, like sci-fi action kind of movie, you know, and I never considered it horror, but uh, yeah, I guess, and then I read somewhere that some, you know, someone was saying that was a horror movie, and I was like, oh, wow, I never considered that as horror, as a horror movie, because, um, yeah, I guess, because it doesn't, yeah, I don't know, it was, it just didn't seem like, yeah, it didn't seem like a horror movie to me, but um, it just seemed like an action sci-fi, so yeah, I guess it, things can fall under different genres, you know? Yeah, blending genres, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, hmm. When I pick up a storybook, um, well, uh, if you think of Game of Thrones, that's also a romance. For all of the different things it is, it's also I a romance. I wouldn't say it's a romance because, like, look, I mean, there's romance, but romance is like a side story. Romance is not what leads everything, you know, like if you say, um, like most, and the most of the movies I watch, like, I don't like, like, you know, the traditional girly flicks, like rom-coms and stuff. I find it really boring that the whole movie is just about a romance, but I love, like, some epic adventure or some, you know, amazing survival thing. And then, then like, a romance is, like, a, a side story to it, to this amazing adventure that these people are on, as opposed to the whole movie is about, you know, playing games in a relationship, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think everyone's different, but I think, yeah, I wouldn't consider Game of Thrones a romance. But then, yeah, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a person who sits there and classifies everything into genres, but I just sort of thought... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of Alien as a horror movie until um, until I read it recently, and then until you just said it again, I was like, oh, well, okay, yeah. Well, if there is a genre, I think our genre really is WTF. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, we haven't done anything that horrific. Is there ever a moment that you actually want to get under the chair because you're too scared during one of our movies? No, not really. I think that um, I think David, you have a knack for writing comedy. Um, so, and I think a lot of it has been different genres. But uh, the best ones that I love, like the the scripts that make me laugh, the actual comedy scripts are what I love most. And I think that's where you have a real like knack for writing is comedy. Well, that's why you shouldn't be rude to the um, the director of screenwriting. You know, I just remember the only my cock is the one where you wear the salad bowl on your head. I'm now going to stick with that. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were anyway, so regardless of what I said, so it's like, yeah. Oh, no. There's a lot of times we get on set and I've got my mind made up. It's going to be this way and we get there and you change stuff at last minute. You go, hey, Dave, can you go get pizzas for everybody? And I come back and it's like, my God, Trish took over and she shot it the way she wanted anyway. So, you know, you'll do that to me and I'll come back and I'll go, Hey, how did the alien, uh, how did the salad bowls look for um, all of the aliens? And let's say Gerardo's doing it. He'll say, 
what salad bowls. And then Trish is just looking sheepishly over somewhere else. <laughs> I think 1950s alien women have to have salad bowls on their heads. You know, like the Green Lady from from uh, Lost in Space. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Now we go for very go for um, costuming that is as cheap as possible, but cheap and effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can make yeah. you can definitely make it work. You got to have that crazy imagination, which it sounds like you definitely have over there. Yeah, well, I've looked at some of the other filmmakers that I won't say we're up against them. Technically, we're all together because you can't have a film night without them all throwing their films in. But they sometimes see that they're up against me and they'll throw their ideas and I'll say, they costume. That's going to cost like eight, nine hundred dollars, right? And um, they're not seeing that they're making their film too grandiose to work. And they end up bringing out one film every five years. The reason why I got into a lot of um, a lot of actors was because I was seeing a lot of their stuff. So you see them in one movie, but you forget that that you see them in the next one and the next one, and you start to say, "Yeah, I'm a fan of that actor. I think that actor's very good." So you can't just make a film and then come back and say to everybody, "Oh, I've got a new film, and it's five years later." Mm. Oh, the point is just not getting grandiose. I do think salad bowls are a great costume idea, no matter what it's like, Trish. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I think in the end, it's just like, yeah, having the idea and having the vision and being able to execute it properly and having a good direction, being able to pull it all together. Like, one of another really good film that I really liked, I don't know if this is also considered um, horror, but Cube, have you guys seen that? Not yet. I haven't seen that. Cube. It's like these six people wake up in this little room, right? And then they find they start talking and they find out that they're all got special skills. And then they notice there's like six, uh, four doors on all the, on each wall. And there's numbers on top of the doors. And then they open a door and they have to figure out how to open the door. And then they go into the next room and every room is like booby-trapped, maybe booby-trapped in some way. But the, if the six of them work together, they can figure out. So, um, and then it's like trying to get out of this maze of, um, so a little bit like Saw in that way, but, um, then there's like lasers and this and that in each room, but they all have combined skills that can help them to navigate through this maze to try to get out of this cube. But basically that whole film is shot in one little box, right? And with six actors and it was so well done. Um, and it's really suspenseful. It's, it's a really good film. So it's kind of like suspenseful horror sort of thing. Um, there are some gory bits when things happen and then they get trapped. But um, other than that, it's just like, yeah, it's just having the idea of being able to execute it well. And you said it's called Cube? Yeah, Cube, C-U-B-E. It's, uh, it's like quite old now. It's probably like, I don't know, maybe like, it was made a while ago. I remember seeing it um, like, yeah, ages ago. But I did really remember it going, wow, that's really, it was really cool. And then just someone, to, and then we worked out that that's all shot in one room with six people. You know what I mean? And um, check that out. Except for the last shot, yeah, so. The best films do stand the test of time. I mean, I still like Metropolis. I think, when was Metropolis, 1929? Uh, you're familiar with Metropolis? I'm not. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Oh, I 19- think I've seen some. You've probably linked me something, David, before, and I'm sure you will later, but... <laughs> no, no. I think it's 
what WebS2 is actually going to see on the big screen of the S2. They probably show it once every couple of months. But it's 1929. And um, anyway... I feel that it stood the test of time despite being a silent because now people make genre films and will actually go and try to make something like that. But if you go 10 years later, you've got The Wizard of Oz. That's 1939. That certainly stood the test of time. We're, we're doing, I forgot what the uh, one we're doing with the flying monkeys is called, but we're, we're doing one where we're taking off the flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. Mm. Are you about to say you haven't watched The Wizard of Oz? Oh, I've seen that. Trish, yeah. I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I loved Wicked the Musical. I thought that was pretty epic. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that um, the story is so good that you can branch off. Michael Jackson did one called The Wiz. Yes, I've seen that too. Yeah, being able to branch off is great. Zardos is virtually a a, a branch off. Have you seen Zardos? Mm Mm-mm. No, I've seen the one with... uh... James Franco, um, what is it, The Greatest, is it, no, not The, I can't remember, what's wrong with James Franco and he was the wizard, um, I don't know, I've seen a few different ones and I went and watched uh, Wicked the Musical a little while ago, that was pretty good as well, so yeah. The, yeah, the best uh, movies stand the test of time. Mm, so, yeah. Well, no, if our movies are any good, if, uh, well, you'll know because I'm older than you. I'll be dead in 20 years. You'll be alive for another 40. So if there's still one movies in 40 years, they would say, yes, they stood the test of time. I always doubted David. I didn't think he was at much chop there, but, you know, he was right, you know. Oh, that's awesome. The flowers on the grave. Which is going to be really strange because I'm going to have a sea burial. <laughs> Don't worry, Trish walks on water. You'd have but a I... sea burial, and you want me to walk on water to uh, gather your ashes, or? No, I just agree. I was just saying that um, the best films do stand the test of time. So another thing is to look at now and say, will this be as funny? Um, will this be a scary? Um, is there something, another level to this that, it would, that will actually give it a longevity? So will these stand the test of time? I think something like life, love and death uh, will stand the test of time because we've got all, amongst all of the silly stuff in there, there's a very deep spiritual concept in there that is pretty mind-blowing. Uh, sex robot might not. I know that one's your favourite, but um, that's really based on um, a lot of things that are physical that are happening right then and there. Mm-hmm. It's like love and death. There's um, an underlying um, idea. I like that how you want it to stand the test of time. I think that's that's good. That's good. Well, the best stories have. I mean, I know that. Well, Trish, you probably don't read the Old Testament, but. Um, a lot of those um, stories are still, you, you read the stories that made the Old Testament. You've got into the Enuma Elish, the uh, Gilgamesh. Oh, that's because it's based on, uh, well, a lot of those Bible stories are based on older things. So um, so a lot of the films that I make myself are actually um, based on, um, like, mythology. So I made a film about Lilith, who's the original wife of Adam, who was created at the same time as him. Um 
I made a film about Inanna, which is uh, based on the goddess and Sumerian tablets of goddess Inanna. So that is in the story of the Testaments, but I, I'm not following the Bible. It's more the fact of, um, you know, no offense to Christians, but it's based on like um, the Sumerian tablets, um, which are the, one of the ancient texts. Um, and then I made another film, which is a horror called uh, Kali Gish Erotica Grotesque, which is based on the goddess Kali fused with other genres. So I think, um, yeah, like I think a lot of stories, I think someone said once as well, I was reading on some um, screenwriting site that there's actually only a certain number of stories that exist in the world and everything is just a combination of different ones. And then a lot of the times people just spin them in their own ways. So I think in the end it just comes back to the vision, the way it's executed, you know what I mean? So you could have the... You could have a great idea, but if you don't know how to put it together, if you have bad writing, if you have bad actors, if you don't know how to shoot it or direct it or edit it, it's going to come out like crap. Or you could have, um, you know, just a simple idea, but if it's well executed, it can come out really well and that stand the test of time. So in the end, it just comes back to, um, yeah, it just comes back to putting it together. And in the end, it's like if you have, you know, a big studio behind you, you have big budgets and everything like that, great CGI and a big team you're more likely to get something, but it's not always guaranteed like Game of Thrones season eight, you know, you have all these budgets, but it's not going to be guaranteed to be that great. But, you know, other times you could just be doing it just for fun and with your friends. And if you can execute it well, um, then hopefully you can have something that people can enjoy and, and can, that you can be proud of and just go, yeah, we made something pretty cool. You know, and <laughs> we had lots of fun doing it. And hopefully like, people give us money later. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. I think you just made the point there with the, from a while back, you were saying Game of Thrones season eight wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, big money. In in that, things move so fast at times that the viewer wasn't drawn in. And you're saying, look, there's um, I think they say seven stories that um, that that's all there is. And I got mm -hmm. to all the same thing. In order to um, hook into the way people um, have already been trained. You're using one of these seven stories that's already been made. But mm. if you draw the person in, you've connected. So you've got a great story. So you don't have to have a multi-billion dollar budget um, if you draw them in. Game of Thrones had a massive uh, budget season eight. They can draw people in, but only very rarely. Uh, most of the time, things are just happening too fast in your face, and um, they have a lot of disappointment. But yeah, you're 100% right. If people need to relate to it. They will relate to one of these seven stories. I think that's where we're sort of managing to get a large number of films out um, in a short time on a low budget, and it's wherever we're connecting with people. Mm. Which is, which again is important, connecting with people, and as Trish was just saying, having fun. That's, I think that's a big thing people forget to do is have just, I mean, I know, I know you want to get like, as far as movies go, you want to get the right shot. You want to get the good shot, the great shot and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you still have to have fun. So it doesn't seem like a job, I guess. And you're exactly. just like, it's like, oh, I got to go record with David again. Damn it. <laughs> but instead of, you know what? David's a fun, hilarious, awesome guy. I cannot wait to be on set again with him tomorrow or whenever the case may be. <laughs> You want, you got it, you know, you got, you don't want tension. Oh, yeah. No, exactly, uh, exactly. It's been for me <laughs> in the um, indie movie industry. So if I go back, uh, I think it's about three and a half years ago, and I was just going on to people's sets as an actor, 
um, things were going wrong for me because these sets were unhappy. Um, extras were bitching and gossiping and people were fighting it out for stuff. Now, in the last two years with working with Trish and us doing these short movies, things are going great because people are actually laughing their heads off mm -hmm. on the sets. Um, so, yeah, it is about enjoyment. Um, I think uh, you've actually got to be in it for the right reasons, which is something Trish said in the previous um, interview. If you're in it for the wrong reasons, you won't have enjoy yourself. And that's where the bitching and stuff comes along. Because somebody's there and they say, I'm in it because I want to be a big star. But if you say, look, I'm in it because I'm enjoying myself and I'd like to have a good time, that's one of the reasons it's a good one. Agreed. And it's, honestly, it's the same thing with podcasting. Like, back in October, I was at a, a horror convention and I was on a panel with other podcasters. I remember somebody asked us a question of, do you make money podcasting? And we were all like, no. <laughs> if you if you want to come into something like this, as far as mine with the podcasting thing, I'm not saying you can't make money, but if you go in there expecting to make money, you're not going to last, you're not going to enjoy it because you're going to be looking for that exactly. paycheck. But if you're going into it how I am, just as a hobby, and just having fun uh -huh. with it, you're going to put more, you're going to put yeah. that hard work into it just because not only to get something fun out there for people to listen to, but you want the feedback of, as far as like, Hey, I enjoy listening to your show or, Hey, how can I come on your show? Cause it's a cool show. It sounds fun. This, yeah. that, and the third. But if you're in, like I said, if you're into it, like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I want to put out X amount of shows and I expect this amount of money and you put out half as many of those shows. And you don't even get a dollar for it. You're like, what's the point of me even doing this? And you just give up. Mm. You got to just uh, have fun. <laughs> I think people forget the yeah. whole fun thing. Exactly. Is keeping a dream alive that it will pay off one day. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to stop just because it doesn't pay off, but there's nothing wrong with dreaming of it. And there's nothing wrong with dreaming that it will become really big. But if it doesn't, uh, like you said, if that's your motivation, well, then you're really in the wrong thing. Because mm -hmm. how many people actually manage to turn their acting or their artistic pursuits into an actual uh, living? That's very true. Out of all the people in this world that actually, you know, the ones that do it, I w not even half of them actually blow up from it and make a, a living off of it. So, you know, if there's say if there's a say if there's a hundred podcasters, maybe maybe one will be the one to blow up. I don't know how it is with movies, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's rare. Maybe you maybe even say a, a thousand podcasters, and that one will do something. Yeah, it comes back to it, just enjoying yourself and following your passions. Totally. What's so? What's been your like most fun, funnest moment in a podcast that you've been doing? Aaron? Um, you're asking us questions now. I'm gonna <laughs> lead it back to you. <laughs> Honestly, every episode is different. Like, cause a lot of my episodes I recorded with close friends and my brothers and stuff, uh -huh. and so we feed off each other, and it just goes. It goes. I don't know. I can't say I have the most fun moment there it's always random like we just we go back and forth and if it's somebody that like how this is my first time recording with you guys and i'm uh -huh. already joking around with dave busting his chops uh -huh. just feeding off people's energy with it like if uh -huh. people have the right energy for it and just goes back and forth and it it just goes like that there's always there's always always a funny random topic on here it goes from horror to whatever as this episode's going and then there's just uh -huh. and like i I don't know, honestly. Like, I, 
for well for me, I'll tell you this. With my episodes, right? I'll send them. It's like say when this one's done. Well, later it'll be later today, but I'll send it yeah. to my brother. He'll he's my producer, so he'll do what he has to do on his end and send it back to me. Uh-huh. And I'll, when I put it out to the public is when I first listen to it. So there's times like I have a few episodes in the archives that I haven't put out yet. So when I go back and listen yeah. to them, I'm just like, what the hell were we talking about? And just start <laughs> laughing, just laugh. And I live like. When I listen, I work in an office, so when I listen to my podcast nine times out of ten, I'm listen to them at work. So I'm over there working, uh-huh. laughing at my desk, uh-huh. and it's just every episode. I'll say this: every episode is fun and funny in their own ways. I don't have, mm-hmm. a, I don't necessarily have a favorite or least favorite episode. It's just kind of how how they they all flow different depending on who's like I said, depending on who's on there with me. And it's just, yeah. oh, I love it though. It's it's so fun. Like it's it. just a it's a great passion, and it's yeah. We're- Where's that passion come from? So, like, how we're talking about, you know, like, passion for telling stories or, um, like, you know, for me personally, it's, like, passion for acting or being able to play all these characters and tell a story, um, you know, and David's sort of, like, you know, creating these little things and mm-hmm. uh, his visuals and stuff. Where does your passion for, like, creating the podcast come from? Is it from a love of horror or just connecting with, like, you know, um, connecting with people, whether it's, um, you know, people across the, the world like us or, you know, whether it's your brother or your close friends or other filmmakers in, you know, in the States or where does, what, what's the passion that drives you? Honestly, it's all of that. Like it started from just the horror aspect, but then it grew Uh from the horror aspect to just meeting new people, to talking to Uh people across the world. And I, Uh as a, well, I mean, obviously I've never heard of this as a kid because I wasn't around then, but just growing up, you, I'd never thought that I'd be able to do something like this as a hobby and going to like horror conventions and meeting people that are in all these movies, I never ever thought that I'd be able to do that. Like for example, I'd have to say my favorite franchise, Friday the Thirteenth franchise by far. I just uh-huh. I grew up watching that. I used to watch it on um, there's a channel called the USA Network, and every Friday the Thirteenth as a kid, that's what came on was the Friday the Thirteenth movies. It would play like most of the franchise, not the whole you know not the whole series, but most of them. So I'd watch those uh-huh. every single time they came on. And this past October, I got to sit on a panel with um, a few people from Friday the 13th Part 7, which was amazing. So, again, I never thought that I would be able to do something like that. Just not even with even with this podcast, I never thought that that would happen. And then I brought my podcast to a con and at the con, I want you to do, excuse me, for the podcasters. It's called ScareCon. We get in Uh for free. We get in for free. We get uh, two media passes a table, and two chairs, anything extra you have to pay for, which I'm perfectly fine with. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, they're like, okay, well, we're giving you this, but we want you to, we need you to do some panels for us. And I was like, yes, sign me up, please. (laughs) Yeah, so living the dream, yeah. Yeah, and and another cool thing about the cons and stuff, and another cool thing about doing this podcast is you meet so many cool people. Like, at the cons, you meet other fans and then as far as like the actors actors and actresses you meet it's cool how humble they are and how laid back and how nice they are because they uh-huh. you're going like i'm going there to get their autographs yeah and you're, you're paying them to get their autographs but they will spend time with you and just talk with you as long as they can uh-huh. so if the, if the line's dead they'll talk your ear off which i love yeah nice <laughs> that's awesome but yeah. it's just yeah back again back to what you're asking like that's just all that combined into one is what's making me more and more passionate about doing this podcasting thing. And again, like I said, meeting cool people like you two and uh-huh. talking to you guys. And I hope you guys come on again. 
Oh, yeah, we'd love to, yeah. <laughs> well, we think you're pretty cool, yeah. too, yeah. It's been awesome, yeah. I'll be much better next time because I've got a cold and I'm <laughs> waffling on more than my usual waffle. <laughs> to stay on track and get on track and let everybody know what we're doing but right now I have to rely on you because I can't even remember where I am <laughs> I get like that sometimes well, too you're doing pretty good, you're doing pretty well <laughs> oh, as soon as I get off of here, I'm actually going to watch that movie that you told me about that I haven't watched before which one? I forgot which one Cube? <laughs> Cube! No, there was another one so let me write that down while I can Cube uh, is there any other reference to the word cube I should look up? Because it's a pretty broad term. No, cube, it's a, it's like, it's quite an old movie, but it's really good. But no, David, I think the one I was telling you to watch is not a horror movie. It was the movie from with Ethan Hawke, and it's like, it was the most mind-bending movie I've ever seen. I came across it randomly on the internet. I sent you the link already on YouTube. And it's, it's not a horror, but it's like... I can't remember the name of it. I sent it to you ages ago in a conversation that we had. It's a movie by Ethan Hawke, and it's um he's a transgender. Oh. Google that. No, no. If you sent it to me, I've already watched it. It's only when I send you stuff and say watch it that you don't no, watch I, it. No, I watch it. I watch it just when you send me like twenty links in like the space of one hour. I'm just like while I'm in the middle of doing something else, I'm just like, well, I don't have time to watch all these. Oh, no, 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 I'm the centre of the universe. I'm the director. I'm the director. <laughs> You're the centre of the universe. You have to drop everything, no matter what, and do what I say because I'm that important. But you will think if you watch Sardos. They are doing those things. Sardos. The Wizard of Oz one. Well, it's not exactly Wizard of Oz. Forget I ever said Wizard of Oz because I don't want to wreck the film for you. So you watch Zardos. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about it at the last shoot where I was talking about, um, you know how we're, we've got an, an upcoming shoot and I want somebody's brain melted from, uh, from uh, the vibes that come out of somebody's mind? I'm not sure, but I'm sure when we get to it, it's, I will remember. It's, called. it's fully scripted. You said you were in it. Um, this is the one with the Sisters of Science. And, oh, uh, I think so, yeah, I think so, I think so, but, um, yeah, so he has, David has a lot of things in his head, and we all, like, he will, we'll talk uh, about one project, and it leads to another, and leads to another, leads to this reference, so a lot of the times I'm just kind of like, yeah, it sounds vaguely familiar, but, like, when we are discussing a project, like, okay, we've got this shoot coming up next week, here's the script, that's when I sort of, like, delve really deep into it, and mm -hmm. I go, okay, so then I ask about my character, but sometimes we just talk like this, and a lot of the times... We're just kind of, I don't know, like, so half the, we're talking when we're just having fun, but sometimes we're just talking shit, just throwing ideas out there that I'm not actually committed to going, oh, okay, someone's brain's going to melt until we've got it in a script and I'm going, yes, we're shooting in two weeks' time. I've got to memorize my lines now. How do you, what's my character going to be like? And that's when I start to really actualize it into my brain. The rest of the time, it's just like random passing conversations. It could be like, oh, yeah, this was from this film, that was from this film, this is an idea, that's an idea throwing ideas around and I don't I don't like uh lock the commit the ideas to memory all the all the time much of the time unless it's a script in front of me that we're going, yeah, we're definitely shooting this in a couple of weeks. What about twenty scripts that are actually finished and that we are going to shoot them. We vaguely know who's gonna shoot each one. 
and that's from one of them. But understand, it becomes real because now you go, oh, here's the deadline. Better start getting it together now. And that's one week before this week. Can't remember this other one, which is cool. But you got to admit that it's pretty good to know that you're in 20 more movies and you don't have to waste time on a desk read, on going and trying out, and all of the other things the other directors waste time with. The time, if you added up in a year, if you were going off and applying for other people's films, the amount of time you'd waste before you actually hit the, um, the, the actual time when you're filming, that's the time we're using to do the other 20. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, look, I already know who I want acting in my films at the point where I'm scripting them. That's good. That's a good thing, though. Like you're saying, it's that cuts down. I'm guessing. I don't know anything about it. I'm guessing cuts down, like you're saying, on a lot of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, a lot of expense, because if you're going to have auditions and that, you have to have a room. You have to spend a week organizing it for all of these people to come in and to get them stuff. Then you've got to spend time going through it all later. It's uh this is a new world. Um, in the old world, people used to film stuff. You had your physical film that you'd sit down and you'd cut. Um, the, there was less outlets for everything. The world we're in today, um, it's you've got to have a lot of volume and you have to be out in a lot of places and everywhere all at the same time. You don't turn on the TV and find you've got five stations. Well, you're getting us out there, David. Like David's been work. Like I said earlier, David works tirelessly behind the scenes, and he's been, yeah, he's been getting us out to, you know, at the moment. I think, um, was it like five or five continents so far? And I'm like, David, you need to get us into South America. <laughs> so lots of different <laughs> That's um, so dates close. in the US, around Melbourne, Sydney. I'm um, not sure if there was a Brisbane keynote. Show. Um, was we got Brisbane yet? But um, yeah. So lots of different places, and then even like in um, he's got like a. He's still going to distribute us over in Africa and a few different countries in Africa, um, in Asia, in Japan, in like North America and the States and in Canada. Um, so yeah, it's just, and he works like tirelessly and I, I'm amazed sometimes, like I'll be, you know, coming home from work and I'm just like, and he'll be messaging me going, blah, 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 blah. We're talking to this person, that person. And I'm just like, oh wow, David, I've just got from work. I'm exhausted. And I'm thinking, hang on, David's just been working full time as well. And you know, he comes home and he spends like, I don't know, six hours a night just networking with people and yeah he's like a machine so yeah like hats off man <laughs> like so it's amazing being able to have um yeah i guess like friends and collaborators to to be able to work with you know that can that do all this kind of stuff because i guess like um for me i'm much more i'm an artist i love acting i love my craft i love coming up with ideas telling stories and breathing life into my characters and into the worlds but sometimes it comes to all this um you know, just constantly getting out there to people and emailing them and going, hey, do you want to screen my film and everything? Um, Yeah, like, uh, not, there's not a lot of people, I guess, in the film industry that put so much time and dedication into it. And, yeah, David is definitely, like, yeah, probably one of the hardest working people in that sense that um that I've ever met. So, yeah. So, yeah definitely, big respect. It's a respect thing. If Trish is going to take her time... um and come and do it for free, you know, go onto the set. Mm-hmm. Um, so many other people. And Glenn coming with his lights and doing stuff, then I owe them something. I can't just 
so many people that had me on their sets then held the um, film later on. Nobody was seeing it. I couldn't see it. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel that when you produce something and you direct something, you owe every single person in that film because they came along and did something either cheap or free. So the only way to pay that respect back is to make sure they get to see their movie and that you get that movie out to be seen. Now I'm going to have a different trick. You said, oh, Dave did all of this great work. She told me off for not getting um, our, our movie seen in South America. I said, hey, Trish, you asked me to get it seen in South America. Kino in Mexico are going to show our movie. And she goes, I'm like, David, Mexico's in North America. <laughs> That's not my fault. <laughs> So we've got to get South America. <laughs> we've got a friend in Brazil. Yeah, Brazil's in South, South America. Yeah, Brazil's South America, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. In, in the, yeah. Uh, so you could have asked Vane, Vane Maraglia, who the blogger. Is Vane in South America? Uh, either Argentina or Brazil. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we will get seen somewhere in South America. I'm cool. sorry, Mexico is in South America. I will call their president and tell him off about it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, you guys are great. <laughs> yeah, but not good with geography. <laughs> Me either, so don't even feel bad. I'm terrible with it. <laughs> truth is, when you something up on YouTube, you are in every continent. Everyone Antarctica. Antarctica, David. Yeah. Like there's 20 people living there that are freezing in some uh, scientific uh, place. Well, how many mm. people? Actually, which one? Where's the North Pole? That's the Arctic, isn't it? The Arctic. Antarctica is down south. But um, apparently there's a hole in, in Antarctica. There's apparently a base, the pyramid and a base that leads to the center of the earth because there was a guy back in... A long time ago, his name was Admiral Byrd, and he flew over and he, he made this like long, and he was like a quite a noted uh, military man, but he made this whole journal about how he flew and he spent like nine days or something in the center of the earth, so, which is actually through Antarctica, and now they're saying that, um, I guess like, yeah, if you read up on the, some of the conspiracy things, and it's not too overly conspiracy-like, but apparently there is a portal, not a portal, but like a gateway at the center of, somewhere in Antarctica that leads you into the center of the earth, and there's people that live in the middle of the earth, which isn't too far-fetched because if you think about it recently, um, like say in places like Vietnam, they found these amazing like caves, like little caverns that have led to like kilometers down into it. And there's this whole ecosystem, you know, so there's all these other worlds that we haven't discovered on this planet yet. So yeah, so I think Antarctica is kind of a gateway to the center of the earth. So just... Oh, when it comes mind. down to hollow earth theory, what you've forgotten is, yes, it's theory, uh, yes, it actually does exist, but that's where Santa's workshop is. <laughs> You're right. Santa's sweatshops. <laughs> you know, keeping all of those elves from freezing to death, it would take too much wood of using the thermal heat from the centre of the earth. That is Santa's workshop. Please don't go there. You don't want to look behind the magicians. Um, <laughs> Look and see how the magician does his tricks or you destroy everything. So leave Santa alone. 
Leave the hollow earth. We can do a film about Santa. I just chose not to at this point because I just didn't want to go down all of the whole Christian tracker. You know, there's enough there's enough films that were made for white Christian society already. Let's make something that anybody can watch. Mm. Well, well I just got Santa to... was like a pagan thing. Like a lot of these ideas of Christian stories are actually like based on that they were like sort of um it's oh, all Santa's from paganism from to convert people. No, Santa's beyond Christianity. No, no? Santa is um Santa's like a pagan. He was like an old man in um some like green like some Nordic sort of uh Nordic pagan belief. Is the Nimbus um, Christians absorbed him. The stories of Santa to make it and same with like things like Easter. Easter was based on Ishtar, who is Inanna, but um and it's a fertility ritual. That's why there's rabbits. But what do you think, like, rabbit? what does the rabbits have to do with Christ? Like, yeah, so well, a lot of I mean, Christmas trees, you know, all these are... Uh... Pardon? There's a lost possum story that has a, la a rabbit in it. A lost possum? No, a lost gospel. Oh. Yeah, yeah the gospel according to Judas, somewhere in there there's a rabbit. Okay, you need to it find it or write it. it. Um, yes, we'll write it. The lost, lost. <laughs> you write it, David. <laughs> but instead of all of these people being, uh, no, no, I won't give it away. I'm still busy working on Aliens. Uh huh. I've got a place um, to actually shoot it. I should actually yeah. finish this off. We should plan it. Should shoot it within a couple of months. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Just need about fifty to hundred uh, realistic cocks. Oh man, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's not going to be something I can put up on Facebook and say, "Hey, everybody, can I borrow <laughs> your?" <laughs> oh, well, David's actually got about ten already, but um, yeah, he just needs another forty or so. Now the they're all specialist ones. They're all specialist ones. They're made. Some of them you can actually fill with um, with liquid, and they will squirt. And then there's the ones that stretch. Um, so there are some very expensive props we use in the films, and you see them more than once because they're pretty expensive. They don't want to spend four hundred bucks on a prop and use it just once. So, <laughs> uh, for for that. For that sort of thing, I think um, just going to the $2 shops where um, I'll be able to get enough of them. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. If you can get them, like a necklace of them, you know what I mean? And even if they're smaller, you could always just cheat the shot and then make it look like there's a lot. Yeah, just go off to the just before the shoot and just um, pat it out for a whole lot of fragments. Yeah. It's fun sitting there thinking, how will we make this shot work? That's the whole fantasy aspect. How can you make people believe that this is that? Mm. You can do it. Oh. You can do it on green screen as well. Pardon? I can't hear you. We'll get that up at um, the next shoot. Cool. How often do you guys film?
once um, a month? It depends. Once a month, sometimes twice a month. Um, now that it's winter, because some of the shoots that we have planned are uh, require outdoor locations. There's this one that David wrote called Time Goddess. It's absolutely hilarious. Like I was like rolling around in tears laughing when I read the script. And I can't wait to shoot that one. But um, that one, because it's like cavemen, dinosaurs and everything like that, and I travel back in time, um, we need summertime for it because um, the costumes are a bit like skimpy and stuff. And it's freezing at the moment. Like I'm inside. I've got my heater on to like 25 degrees uh, Celsius. And I've got my hoodie on and I'm just like rugged up with all my sheepskins. <laughs> so there's no way in hell we're going to be shooting that at this time and point in time. So... Um, we were going to actually not have any shoots over the next couple of months for winter and just sort of do a lot of pre-production and post. But um, because now a good friend of ours, who um, Brett, who's featured in some of the films with us and um, we've worked on some of his stuff as well, um, he's got a new big warehouse space. He's um, He works with a, a place called the Fitzroy Art Collective. So they, they're a collection of artists and they do galleries and stuff. So now that um, we've got the warehouse and a, a sort of, a more versatile kind of venue. Mm -hmm. um, David's thinking about sort of pushing forwards a few shoots and being able to shoot them in the new location. But um, yeah, so that all, it's a, it sort of varies because if it's something that's easy, like some of the shoots are pretty easy and it's just like, yeah, a day in the park. Sometimes we might shoot like, you know, two or three shoot films in one in one month. Other times, if it's quite extensive, but the planning and the stuff that um, all the pre-production and the costumes and props and everything that David has to do. And um, also, like, if I've got a lot of work on or if, you know, there's um, – or if, say, our DOP or whoever's doing the camera is not available, sometimes the shoots might be a bit more spaced out to once a month. So it's, it's a little bit varied depending on, you know, location availability, the amount of um, – how intensive it is because some shoots are pretty easy. We just kind of rock up to the park and spend half a day shooting and bang, it's done. You know what I mean? Like the, mm. the cult one that we did recently. So whereas other ones are quite involved because, you know, there's progression of time, there's different things, a lot of makeup and stuff, and they, they take a little bit longer, obviously. So, so yeah, but he just he, he churns them out. I don't think that, uh, like, in terms of the amount of production that's been happening, I think, um, yeah, there's not a lot of people in Melbourne um, that sort of are producing – this much content at this level um like i think maybe like content creators on youtube are able to do it but i think a lot of them also get paid by youtube they get paid by sponsorship um so on a passion project thing and especially things that are quite well thought out like this they're not just little skits you know what i mean so uh, yeah. they are little skits but they're not we're not just sitting on the couch at home you know in david's lounge room sort of chatting but they're quite um some of them are quite extensive and they have, so yeah it depends on what it is and how uh how involved it is as to how many we shoot, but we're trying to aim for like maybe once a month. But at the moment we're on, yeah, a bit of a yeah, break. We'll just see what David says. <laughs> yeah, the only reason for making a change that we might shoot something in the time that we were down is just because the location came up that we might not get again. But, uh, yeah, even if it meant pushing out that um, Time Goddess one by a month, I wouldn't be too worried because the costumes on Time Goddess are the same costumes on that other caveman one. Uh, I, the name slipped my mind, but you've got your Sisters of Science. Uh-huh. The costumes that the Sisters of Science are going to wear are the same costumes that the um, female aliens are going to have in uh, Aliens Stole My Cock. All right. So, yeah, between three shoots, costumes are going to be used um, over the shoots again. Yeah. Not people wearing them. Yeah, so uh, the cavemen in Time Goddess, uh, oh, uh, you might, I'm, I'm hoping you remember the name of the sheep, but it's the one 
where I've got you as caveman. So you're you're playing a male, I'm playing a female. Oh, the Josh Wrestling one. Yeah, I, I know vaguely, but I don't remember. I, like I said, we talk about a lot of things, and I have, I'm like, yep, yep, cool, cool. And then, but then I sort of, when it's time, when I've got that script and I know the shooting date, and I go, yep, we're going to shoot in X amount of time, and I'm rehearsing my lines, that's when I kind of like immerse myself into it. The rest of the time, we just sort of bounce ideas, and then. It's called Feminista. Pardon? It's called Feminista. There we go. Feminista. <laughs> <laughs> I took the agency back because I've got the Skype up. I can't um, go into um, the scripts that are unshot to go and look at it and say that's the name of the script. But they'll probably mm-hmm. be shown virtually back to back because of the costumes being similar. Cool. And with former. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's 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 all real interesting, and it's also kind of cool that it's it's summer over here right now, and it's winter there. It's that's yeah. just you know across the world, I guess, right? Yeah, I know. What time is it over there now, Aaron? Um, it is one forty-one a.m. over here. Oh, You're wow. okay. because you've got snow in New York. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad it's not snowing now. Oh. We're talking about uh, a cold winter, but not as cold as that. How? So, uh, do you, if you're familiar with Celsius, uh, the worst uh, on average it gets down to is probably six degrees. Well, I'm not from, I have to Google that one. Because <laughs> we do a Fahrenheit here, so I don't know the. the uh, like I remember, we used to, I got brought up with Fahrenheit and we went to Celsius because I haven't used Fahrenheit for years. Can, barely remember. Did Australia use Fahrenheit? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, no, um, we, we went metric in 1972, so I got oh. brought up with um, I got brought up with the whole imperial bit, and then the oh. following year we had to change, which is why I'm quite often giving you measurements and, uh, and the bounce between, you know, inches to uh, millimetres. And when it comes down to weight, I've still got no idea with kilograms. I'm still in pounds. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm that's, it's just cool how things are so different, but still the same at the, you know, at the same time. Yeah, exactly. We actually expected to know both if you're going to be a geek, because um, your, your models are in millimeters, you know, for the tabletop board games, but you move them in inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Dale. Oh, that's why Dale knows about inches. But look, I, I don't. <laughs> like, I have I have a ruler. I have a tape measure, and I have Google. That's two point four five centimeters equals an inch. <laughs> that's why she never wins at these. Pardon? You don't win at Warhammer because you don't, I don't know. I don't play the... it. I don't play it. Don't say anything bad about Warhammer. We will lose fans. Mm. <laughs> Should do a Warhammer style shoot one day. Yeah, you write it. I'll do, you write it. You just tell me what. You just tell me when. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to her for about three months about it and get it all scripted up. She won't look at it two days beforehand. You'll ask me all the questions that we answered over the months. Yeah, because like us, like like you know, we have so many things that we talk about, and I can't, like yeah, I can't run around with so much in my mind because I, it gets confusing. You know what I mean? So like yeah, because it's your, your it's your vision. You just 
organize, you know, figure out what you want, and then when it's time to come, I'll say, what do you exactly want me to do? It's just like, yeah, it, like what we were saying earlier, you know, someone needs to have the vision and be sort of steering the ship. Like, you know, when, it, when it's my project, it's like, yeah, I'm holding all this stuff in my head, I know exactly what I want, and then I just tell my actors, this is what I need from you, you know, this is, you know, just learn your lines, this is your character, and that's, but the producer, the director has to hold everything in their head, and it's like, if you are filling up your actors' minds with, like, 20 other things that's not in this moment, like, when I'm performing, I just want to be in the moment, and I think a lot of my life, I try to live it like that, so it's like, yeah, I write everything down, it's like, you know, even, you might be working on all these projects, but when I go and teach a class, I go teach a yoga class, I'm not thinking about anything else except for what we are doing right this moment, and I think that's kind of the best way to, at least for me, to live my life is just be really present in the moment, and yeah, we can talk about all this cool stuff, but in the anything that's important, I write it down, or I'm going to say, you write it down, and you just tell me when it's necessary, but um, yeah, and then that way I'm more free to just uh, flow and enjoy each moment as it comes. You definitely excuse that you don't have to learn your lines while you're teaching yoga. I like that. I don't know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I just improvise with yoga. We <laughs> improvise a lot on uh, the sets. Oh, I always learn my lines. I always learn my lines. Okay. So there's room to improvise and there's room to make the actual um, character your own. Yeah, I I always learn my lines and then at times if I go, oh, that just sounds clunky, I will, I don't, not necessarily imp like improvise it, but I'll just change it to have the same meaning, but I will make it just sound more natural, because I think in the end it's just about being believable on screen. 100%, that's my attitude too. In your films, though, I just uh, memorise the lines exactly as they are, because I don't understand any of it. <laughs> oh, Debbie, your feet there look so bad, Debbie. I am mortified. So I just do the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we better not get into talking about your feet. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, it's a, a whole Trisha Debbie. It's a whole other. It's a whole other topic. David found a wiki feet page about my feet. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Actually, I was looking up something. There was a, a wiki feet and the most popular feet on the planet Earth. Are yours, Trish? I'm sure there's lots of other feet on wiki feet, but uh, yeah, feet is a thing. So yeah. Yeah, but not as popular. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Pardon? Say that one more time. Trish, um, if you're not well. Sorry? People saying Did you want to wrap this up? I can't hear you. Did you want to wrap this up? Yeah, that's all right. We can yeah. start wrapping it up if you want. Yeah, that, Aaron looks a bit tired. <laughs> that's that's, like that's cool with me, there. too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, thank you both for coming on. I would love to have you guys on again. This was a really good time. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having us. It's been, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Sorry for keeping you up so late as well, uh, it's, it's, so it's perfectly fine. It's, it's it's fine on my end, you know. It's the weekend now, so it's that's a great thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, lucky. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's Saturday for us as well. So, yeah, that would be excellent. Yeah, we'd love to come back on. Um, 
next time we can shoot it, we can film it as well. So I'll um we'll schedule a time when I can like um have time to shower after the gym and mm-hmm. <laughs> have my hair nicely done and not full of sweat and um put some makeup on and we'll look nice and presentable and David might be sick and yeah, we can do a little film thing or something, you know? Yeah, that'll be fun. I'd love to get a background like what you've got or something. That, yeah, that but maybe be- um if we do a video one next time, um it could be possible that uh because I think a lot of the films are on Dropbox or on YouTube, uh, Dropbox, Google Drive, or YouTube, and then you can even like, um, they could get you know give you like time codes of different sections that as we're talking about it, or even like other films when you know when we're discussing other films, you can just cut in okay. some overlays if you wanted to, you know what I mean, just to make it more visual if you've got time. Otherwise, yeah, just an idea. Oh yeah, so that if, people have a, a yeah, visual reference uh, to. Yeah, I can about. do. I can definitely do that, and then I can also I can put it like right here. Where this oh, thing yeah, is yeah, cool. exactly. yeah. for some of them, and then I can also yeah. do it. I can also do it like for the video edits, either before or after. I'd have to play around with it because I'm still getting used to that other program. Yeah, but I can yeah, do both. I just could put on loop that bit where Trish is giving birth in life, love, and death. Just have that. <laughs> oh There's man. Out. But this was a this was a really fun and funny time. <laughs> and um again like i said i really appreciate you guys both coming on can't wait to do this again with you guys and do you guys have anything you want to plug or put out there um we do my mind is turned to mush and the amount okay, of yeah, stuff well, that's coming out i'll have to leave it to trish to mention okay well um yeah we've got quite a lot of projects at the moment but i guess some um, most of them you can see like so i won't plug all the different pages um you can check out um David's YouTube under Darvis Black and most of the videos that we've made are on there. Um, you can um, check out my YouTube if you want Trisha Devisha, T-R-I-T-I-A-D-E-V-I-S-H-A or um, on Facebook under the same Trisha Devisha official. Um, David, and, but yeah, uh, David's channel pretty much has got most of the videos and most of the shorts that we've been talking about over the evening, so over the interview. So you go on there and then um, yeah, you'll find links and... Um, yeah, and so thank you so much for having us, Aaron. It's been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, we look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Oh, you're very yeah. welcome. Right. Yay, thank you. Thank okay. you again. Have a good Thanks. night, you guys, pleasure. or a good thank afternoon. You. Yes, you too. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And as always, I'll see you in your nightmare.